Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Well, welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. And it's really, really good to have you back again. And we're delighted to be back and very happy because of all the many uh, messages, the questions that you've sent in to us since our first show. And we're also delighted that Michael Vara of uh, The Late Night Show in the Midlands, that's one of the top 30 talk sh radio shows in America, and our wonderful producer Tim Roxbury uh, from WCETFM have invited us to make this a weekly show. And that's what it now is. So rather than it being a two-hour show once a month, we're now going to be doing it for one hour every week, every Saturday, 5 p.m. and in GMT and in 12 noon uh, Eastern time in America and 9 a.m. Pacific time in America. And we're really happy about that. And I know Darren uh, is thrilled and he's been rifling and working through some of the messages. We can't get to all of them, but we're certainly, certainly going to try to answer some of them today. And as a matter of fact, uh, I don't know these questions. I don't know these comments. Uh, I'll be hearing them for the first time, just as you will be as you listen to this show. Now, Obviously, our main focus, as you already know, is the Nine Freedoms, that magnificent series of teachings. I believe it's the greatest set of teachings ever delivered to our world. If I thought there was a better one, ladies and gentlemen, I would be talking about that. Uh, I don't believe there is. I think there's wonderful teachings out there. We're certainly on the Spiritual Freedom Show. We are inclusive. We aren't a one and only way. We accept the great wisdom of Buddhism, the great philosophy of the ancient Vedas, some of the truths contained in the Bible, uh, some of the truths contained in the Greek legends, if you can work out which is myth and which is reality, and in many, many other traditions too. But uh, in the end, we're in a new era, a new age, Things are changing. Uh, I think we can all sense that. And we have been given the most magnificent set of teachings for these days, the nine freedoms. And I've got to say, uh, as the host of the show, it's a tremendous honor for me to be a allowed, really, and able to present such a show around these teachings. Something that's been an ambition of mine. As a matter of fact, I, as you may know, I've done thousands, I don't mean hundreds, thousands of radio uh, interviews over the years helped to run a show on a station called LBC in London at one time. But this is the first chance I've had to do this. We have a show uh, in the Ethereum Society called Ethereum Radio Live, which you're all welcome to listen to. That's a monthly show. But this is an outreach. This is to introduce the concepts contained in the Nine Freedoms to brand new people to this philosophy. You don't have to even believe it at this point. I'm not in asking you to take my word for anything at all. I'm inviting you to consider these truths and what they really mean and how they can change your life. I know they can because they've changed my life. So let's start straight away then. And I'm going to ask our producer, please, to play the very first extract that we're going to focus on from the nine freedoms. This happens to be from the third freedom, that is service. Uh, and I'm going to ask 
Tim, please to play that now. One a person who is rendering true spiritual service, not self-delusion. True spiritual service to those who need it is worth ten who retreat from the suffering of others in order to bring about a state of joy and peace within themselves. Thank you very much for playing that extract. You just heard the voice there of Mars Sector 6 delivering some words from the third freedom. And as you will know, these freedoms are delivered or were delivered or, or in a period of every few days. Uh, that particular one, uh, they, were, they were actually delivered 60 years ago. And that one was delivered on the 22nd of February, 1961. In the first show, I went through some of the main points about how the nine freedoms were delivered, the incredible, absolutely unique mediumship of uh, Dr. George King, who was the channel for these, and the caliber of the individual or the master who gave these, Mars Sector 6, who is a lord of karma. And we talked about that and what that really means. But if you did miss that, please do go uh, to the first show, which is available to you, or go to the Ethereus Society website, that's www.ethereus.org, and look up the Nine Freedoms page, and it's fully explained there. Uh, I, I can't really explain this every week or everyone's going to get bored stiff. So it's there. It's there for your reference and you can understand how this was delivered and how it's available, by the way, and how the lectures also by Dr. King and the commentaries are available if you want to listen or read them uh, for yourselves. But we on the Spiritual Freedom Show have the opportunity here to focus and, and really hone in on some of these words. And these words, and I'm just going to read what you just heard, were as follows. One person who is rendering true spiritual service, not self-delusion, true spiritual service to those who need it, is worth 10 who retreat from the suffering of others in order to bring about a state of joy and peace within themselves. I think that probably sounds quite obvious in a way when you hear it, but it certainly wasn't. In fact, it's traditionally speaking a very revolutionary statement. Now, if such a statement was made about normal material things, it wouldn't be revolutionary. I think any decent person anyway would agree that someone who's giving physical service in one way or another be it through medicine, through relief, there's so many ways to serve others, is far more deserving of our respect than a person who is only interested in furthering their own material needs and desires, is focused just on themselves, perhaps just on their loved ones, and has no concern at all for anyone else. Uh, but strangely, and this is very odd, and I think it's an odd thing about the way some philosophies have evolved on our world. 
The same hasn't always been true in the spiritual world. Uh, aspirants at one time, and I'm talking especially about the, it's not only the East, but it's especially in Eastern wisdom. And, you know, I'm a lover. I, I think everyone knows who, who hears this show that I'm a lover of Eastern wisdom. Uh, it's wonderful. I think it's unparalleled, actually, in my view, in terms of traditional uh, teaching. I mean, it's not the only one, but it's very, very hard, if not impossible, to beat in the traditional philosophies of our world. But particularly in that tradition, spiritual aspirants were encouraged to break away from their physical and domestic commitments in order to enlighten themselves and to enter the wonderful states of joy and peace within themselves. And in one way, they were wise, and I would say very brave, actually, to do so. They had the perception to recognize that materialism is a fool's paradise. I think that becomes obvious the longer you live. I think we can see that politics is a fool's paradise. That's so obvious. Uh, we have so many cases of, of very, very wealthy people who aren't happy, You'd think they would be, but they're not. Uh, they're, they're troubled. They get troubled, uh, from what I can gather, by the slightest thing that's out of place, seems to bother them. Um, they're not at peace in many cases. But it doesn't lead to the type of inner peace or lasting happiness that they sought. Now, the Lord Buddha was very clear about this that to end suffering, which was one of his aims, in fact, that was his main aim, that was his stated goal, uh, and find lasting fulfillment, you need to look within for the answer and not in the outer world. So far, so good. So far, the spiritual aspirant, way ahead of the materialistic person, and has left behind, uh, and it takes a lot of guts, some of the attachments, some of the desires, some of the limitations of, of an ordinary materialistic life. But some who did this did it for selfish reasons. Uh, they went out of their way to retreat from the suffering others of others and then to completely detach from it. Buddha's purpose was to discover joy and peace within himself only so that he could then teach others to find it in themselves. That was his goal. That's what he was aiming to do. That's why he left a, a palace uh, and went and uh, on the path of the wandering mystic, as it were, to do that, to find it so that he could give it to others. And he spent the rest of his life, once he'd done this, devoted to that purpose. And he left a wonderful path for millions of others. But sadly... His example wasn't followed by many who came after him. And they started to concentrate only on their own realization. I'll tell you a very strange thing. It's always occurred to me in the Christian religion, which is the religion in which I was raised, which is, in essence, a wonderful part, is it not? How could you better it? Service to others, uh, loving your brother as yourself, uh, caring for others, uh, devotion and service. There's nothing better. And we've talked about that before, and we'll definitely talk about that again. Isn't it strange, though, that in the early years, especially of that particular religion, there was a massive monastic, ascetic tradition in which 
devotees broke away from people and went off into very remote areas to form monasteries and convents. And okay, later those monks and nuns uh, did a lot of welfare in the Middle Ages and so on. But for a lot of the time, and, it, and, and even I think up to this day, there are uh, professed, devoted Christians who are not really serving, but they're focusing, they're breaking away to find joy and peace within themselves. Even in that religion, even having been given that path uh, by the Master Jesus himself. And by the way, talking, going back to the Lord Buddha, I have a fantastic piece of information for those of you who haven't already heard this. And that is that the Lord Buddha is on earth again. The Lord Buddha has returned. Uh, he is in a very mystical location some of you may have heard of. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a very misunderstood one, but it's been mentioned for many, many years. Um, uh, this isn't introduced by the Ethereum Society, far from it. It's well known in theosophy and other traditions, and that's Shambhala. And the Lord Buddha has taken up residence. In fact, he's uh, become the Kamara of Shambhala. And if that's news to you, it's my honor to bring it to you because it's some of the most important news of modern times. And I think it's very interesting that a great change is taking place as thousands of people from different tradition, tra tra traditions uh, knowledge that a key element of that change is that service comes first, not second, as you might think from reading some of the old karma yoga teachings. It comes first. And how fitting then the Lord Buddha should be among us with his wonderful uh, radiations and his great presence uh, at such a time. It's still vital, of course, to go within. It's essential to go within. But service comes first. And whereas at one time it was possible for the spiritual aspirant to progress without giving service to others, directly, I mean, they'd give it indirectly, of course, just through their dawning enlightenment and the radiation from their dawning enlightenment. But I'm sorry, that is not enough. That's one of the things about a teaching which comes from a Lord of Karma, such as Mars Sector 6. It's a teaching, but it's also a law. The person giving spiritual service is worth 10, he says, who retreat from the suffering of others to further their own enlightenment, and only that. And this means the person giving spiritual service must be advancing, I would say, at least 10 times as fast. They may not appear to be. They may not be gain, gaining so many psychic powers, uh, but they will be karmically advancing if they are following the right path. And the, so the main motive isn't that. The main motive should be to help others, but there's nothing wrong. And let me just stress this. There's nothing wrong in knowing that you're helping yourself when you do this. It's the beauty of it. It's the perfection of it. You're, you'll be advancing yourself. Uh, and the beauty of that is this very advancement will then enable you to serve more effectively by far. I'll tell you, I'll share something with you. I have run hundreds of spiritual classes and workshops for over 40 years. And my first book, it's, it's also my best-selling book. It's not my best book but it's my best-selling book, is called Unlock Your Psychic Powers. And I've run classes on this in various countries around the world, and I've discovered 
one very definite fact from experience, not as a theory, this is what I've found. When these classes have been mainly focused or only focused on the development of the students, their results, that's the results of those students, have been less pronounced. But when those classes have included, as well as their development, spiritual service, when those students have been sending healing to the world as well, or healing to each other as well, their results, their development results are more pronounced. And I'm talking about things here like clairvoyance, maybe telepathy, psychic touch, uh, dowsing, and of course healing. So even within just one workshop, which may only last a day or two, I've seen more personal development when spiritual service is also being practiced. And I, I thought I'd mentioned that to you as one small example of this teaching uh, from Mars Sector 6 that we've been given here. One person who's rendering true spiritual service, not self-delusion, and that's important, by the way, that's mentioned deliberately, I would say, you know, we can delude ourselves by giving service when we're not. It's got to be really something that really is working, sending energy, sending true teaching, sharing true teaching. Uh, then if, the, if they're doing that, uh, true spiritual service to those who need it, it's worth 10 who retreat from the suffering of others in order to bring about a state of joy and peace within themselves. So, uh, that is our first lesson of today from the nine freedoms. Uh, but I do think we must also ask Darren Ball, who works very, very hard for the Spiritual Freedom Show, by the way, uh, in preparing a lot of things for us. I, I'd like to introduce him. And Darren, I'd like to ask you what sort of questions and comments you've been receiving since our first show. Hey, Richard, great to be on again. Um, we have, as you say, we've had lots of comments and questions actually since the last show via email, Facebook and our website. So I picked out a few of those today. Um, I thought I'd encourage everyone as well, by the way, if you if you if you would like your questions on to do write to us. It's spiritual freedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. But this one, Richard, this first one is from a questioner who um, who suddenly got straight to the point. I'll put it that way. But yeah. it's a question that I think every new listener, in fact, everyone who's searching, I think, is, is entitled to ask. And it, it went as follows. It said, what makes you, meaning the Ethereum Society, different from others? And why should I pay attention to your teachings? Okay. Well, uh, thanks for, as I mentioned earlier, I haven't been pre-warned about any of these questions, so I didn't know what was coming. So what makes us different and why should this questioner pay attention uh, to our teachings? First of all, um, I think it's, I, I'm not going to tell anyone what they should do. I'm going to invite them to investigate uh, if they're interested. What makes us different, I think, is the record of Dr. George King. I would go further than that. Uh, I was privileged to know him very well, as some of you may know. I, I was very close to him as well as he was my teacher. He was a great master. He was also a very, very close friend. I was in touch with virtually every day for the last 20 years of his life. And I think what makes us really different also is the caliber of Dr. George King. I mean, I know there are a lot of people out there claiming to have contacts with various kinds of masters, with intelligences from other worlds, sometimes intelligences from other solar systems. There's all kinds of claims out there, and it must be very, very difficult. I think two things uh, would be advisable. One would be to 
check out the content of the transmissions that Dr. King received. And let's start with the nine freedoms. Have a look at it. See if it measures up. Make your own judgment. I'm not going to tell you what judgment you should come to. Make your own judgment and then try to practice it. Uh, apply what you can. Join in, for example, with a, one of our online services. You don't have to be a member or even a a sympathizer of the Ethereum Society to join in with our services at 12blessings.org, which we're holding online or on our website, you'll see services that are taking place every day at the moment during this pandemic online, either online audio or uh, visual. And try joining in with those and see what you experience. And then finally, one other thing, apply it to your intuition. So logical examination of the teachings, your own experiences and listening to your inner voice. And those three things, that's your best guide as to the caliber, I would say, of Dr. George King and the Ethereum Society. Yeah, thanks very much, Richard. We have a sec another comment here, a real heartwarming one, actually. Oh. We, we got, I think that speaks directly to this message that you've been talking about in your commentary there of Mars Sector 6 um, and the relationship between service and enlightenment. So this person said, I wanted to let you know that I'm now uh, 90 pages into Dr. King's wonderful book. That's Realizing a Potential, by the way. Brings back memories from my childhood of how I've always been of service to others and how I started on a spiritual path of learning in 2005, which lasted in 2015. For some reason, this stopped, as did my meditation practices. But this book has now rekindled my desire to work on my inner self whilst helping others. Thank you. Oh, well, that's, I mean, nothing more I could add to that. And I think that's the balance. And I was privileged to co-author that book, but the, the question is absolutely right. This, this is not my book at all. It's Dr. George King's book. Uh, I practice it every day as well. Uh, there are exercises, there are over 40 exercises in there and practices. Some are service orientated, some are more development orientated, but even those enable you to give more service. And there's this wonderful balance that the more you serve, the more you advance, and the more you advance, the more you can serve. Uh, so I think that's a beautiful message. And thank you very much, uh, whoever it was who sent that one in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, Darren, we've reached the point now where we're going to introduce our our guest uh, who's going to tell us about their moment of truth. Every uh, Spiritual Freedom show, we have a moment of truth, and we're reaching out to a whole variety of different people and different places, as a matter of fact. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing about this from someone I had the pleasure to meet very briefly for the first time last year. His name is Rowan McLaren. Uh, he's uh, an Australian. He's in Australia. Actually, thank you so much, by the way, Rowan, because you're, you're up at some unearthly hour uh, tuning in with us to do this. And he's speaking us from Melbourne. Uh, he's had quite a varied career uh, in modeling and working in the development sector for the Rwandan government in charitable works, I believe. But first and foremost, he's been on a spiritual quest uh, and as a young man, he has found his path. And I'm now going to invite Rowan to tell us about his moment of truth and how he found his path. Uh, are you there with us, Rowan? Yes, yes, I am, Richard. Thank you oh. so much. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the show, Rowan. Thank you. And uh, could you please then tell us about your moment of truth? Yes, yeah. My, my moment of truth is, um, yeah, I would like to tell you how I went from what I would say as living a life as a model on, on, on catwalks to ending up in the Himalayas, meditating in caves to finding what I would say is the purpose that we, we are all here on this planet is to 
to live in in true spiritual service to, to others and and i suppose how the teachings of the Akira society and dr george king were an invaluable companion for me during this this journey and i i'd like to start with the the time when i when i was working as a model i i find it so fascinating that i was given this experience to live this life a life that most people look as aspirational uh you know having having money having having looks having all these sense pleasures at your fingertips to to live that life in that way to realize that that was not the answer and and i think that i think jim carrey actually says something quite interesting here that I wish that everyone could be rich and famous to understand that that is not the answer. Yes. And so, <laughs> and, uh, and so at the peak of my career, I, I just realized, I looked around that I, I was, I was miserable. And so I ended up leaving that and finding a, a job with the Rwandan government, like trying to answer this calling that was in within my soul that, I think I'd had since my entire life because I'd always identified as, as spiritual, although that I went down this false path to truly understand that that was not the answer. I started work with the, with the uh, Rwandan government, but yeah. what I was doing there was I was, I was working in an act of service to help people over in, in Rwanda. But mm -hmm. as I was working, I realized that I felt disconnected from those in which I was supposed to be serving. And so I, I, I thought to myself that, oh, this is not the answer. So I ended up thinking that, well, maybe it's the fact that I'm not actually with the people that I'm serving. So looking to trying to find what authentic service is. And so I started a project to go and work in, uh, in East Timor, bringing computers over there. And I was doing a project, doing an act of service again that I thought was doing good, connected to people. But when I was over there, I was telling the story, publicizing it on social media. And at the very end of it, I, I realized it was hollow and it was empty because as I was there, it was more about me and it wasn't about them. And so, and how could it have been about them? Because I was disconnected from myself. I didn't, I didn't feel love within myself. I couldn't, I couldn't feel it for others. I was disconnected spiritually. And I was in a bit of dismay about like I'm doing acts which I think are good, and then how how is it that this answer has not been been resolved? And I sat on a beach one day and I realized I started to think that well, if all problems in the world are human problems, and then all problems have a human solution, and if I am to understand and actually truly help people, I, I need to actually do my inner work and 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 under and connect within myself and to release all these these stresses and traumas within myself so that I can actually come back and, and truly serve others to connect with the heart. And I, I'd realized that from the life that I had been living, oh, there was so much agitation in my body, so much like anxiety. And I went to a Buddhist temple in Melbourne to try and learn to meditate. And in learning to meditate uh, within the first week, I was blessed and, and fortunate to be given some uh, well, the first first week I was riding my bicycle home and all of a sudden my whole body went on fire with electricity as I was thinking about what this period of humanity would be considered from the future. And um, it was like there was an electric rod in the frontal lobe of my brain and tears started running down my face. It was one of the most euphoric experiences I've ever, I've ever had. And it was like everything made sense. And right. uh, I started having... Yeah, yeah. and And... 
obviously it was quite a shock to me because I had no idea what had just happened to me. I think I was mm. on a bicycle and screaming out going like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, uh, and, and probably after that, every, every month I started to have a similar sort of ex experience, uh, sometimes with out of body experiences or, or visions and, mm. Admittedly, as as a young guy who I hadn't had any any of these experiences before, it, it shocked me, and 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 I really wanted to find answers of what was what was happening to me, and uh, I naturally I gravitated towards going to India to try and find some of these answers because to, to me that seemed like it was the place uh, where the yogic tradition is and where this kind of information is. Um, at that same sort of time, I had a teacher in my, my life who told me about the, the Ethereum Society and that there was some teachings there that were the most advanced on, on, on the planet and told me about the nine freedoms and, and 12 blessings. And you know, as I ended up start going to, to India and, and driven by wanting to do this inner work to connect with myself, as I meditated more and more and, and learned how to do some healing, I started practicing the, the 12 blessings and uh, as I was over there and I remember distinctly as I, I began to be a bit more self-aware of myself and doing some, some sending out healing during one of the spiritual pushes. And I started to feel this energy pulsating through my body and, and going from like the crown of my head down into the bo my body. And, and I thought it was such a beautiful and wonderful experience of really practical spirituality. And, and although at the very start of practicing some of these, these techniques, uh, I, it took some time to, to start to feel these things. It was, it was such a beautiful and powerful experience to feel something that was true and worked, and you could feel the impacts of it. Um, so That's beautiful, Rowan. I'm going to have to move on here because uh, I'm going to be in trouble if I don't move on. We've got another guest coming. But that really is quite an amazing story there. And so we're delighted you found us at the Ethereum Society, Rowan. Yes, yes. No, no, thank you. It's been incredible. The, 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 the wisdom and the practicality and everything has been such a godsend. So I thank you guys so much. Well, thank you so much for your moment of truth. And how timely. I mean, I, I didn't really know uh, exactly what Rome was going to say. I know he had an amazing backstory and I think we could actually listen to him for a lot longer because he has a lot to say. But um, it, that is really fascinating how he came about that route and ended up doing things like the 12 Blessings, joining us at the Society and uh, sending out power to the world, which is going hand in hand with his own development, which fits in absolutely perfectly with the theme of the day. And so I'm going to come now to Tim again, please, Tim, uh, in, in just a moment and ask you to play our second extract then, which fits actually perfectly in with Rowan's story. Um, and so would you please play the second extract from the Nine Freedoms now, please, Tim. This declaration do I throw into every mental realm. I would inform those sadhus who, in total disregard of human needs, retreat into the wilderness, I would say, come you hence, for you are fools. Service, my friends, is greatness.
Wow, what a powerful statement there by Mars Sector 6. Into every mental realm, he says. This declaration do I throw into every mental realm. How does he do that? Uh, by, of course, the projection of thought. Those on the higher realms, the highest realms, the highest inhabited realm, I believe, uh, is level six. There are seven levels above this one. But as Dr. King explained brilliantly in his lecture about the other realms, the highest one, level seven, is not inhabitable for long periods of time anyway. Uh, but certainly the others, I would say they would pick it up very quickly on the highest realms. They would be extremely aware uh, of a declaration. They wouldn't need a program like this one, although I'd love it if they would like to take part in this program. But um, they wouldn't need it. They would be able to pick that up on the high mental levels and get that message. And it's quite a shocking one in a way, looking at the history of our world. Um, so all but the lower realms, they would find it more difficult to pick it up, uh, but lower than the high, you know, the ones of higher than us, but still lower, the, the, the mental realms, you might call them. Um, they, they, they would still be affected by this declaration of teaching, and as I said earlier, also of law. Uh, the people who passed on from here and gone to a higher realm, uh, depending how evolved they are, is to what realm they go. So this will include all people. And even if they've received this declaration, uh, they now know it, whether they're aware of it or not. Uh, it's been given. And it's known at a deep, intuitive level of realization. Now, let me just explain one thing. And I just repeat the second sentence here. I would inform those sadhus, says Mars Sector 6, who in total disregard of human needs retreat into the wilderness. I would say, come you hence, for you are fools. Uh, that's a statement I wouldn't personally feel necessarily qualified to make. Or, or a judgment I wouldn't necessarily feel qualified to make, although you can see exactly what Mars Sector 6 means. Uh, and you can sense, I feel, in the way he says it, because the beauty of the trance mediumship of Dr. George King is that you don't just get the words, you get the sound, you get the quality of the voice, the intensity of the voice, and I, th I would say that this is quite a disparaging remark. And of course, Mars Sector 6 is absolutely in a position to judge any of us on Earth, should he choose to. Not saying he does choose to, but he certainly could. He, and he says it with a, a sort of disdain, uh, as though, yes, OK, it was allowed at one time, but it wasn't great then. That's what I get from it, um, the way he talks. Because a sadhu, by the way, is um, a person, an Eastern mystical yogi, who secluded themselves from others to bring about their own enlightenment. In the book, those of you who have the nine freedoms in the book, you'll see that Dr. King changed that word sadhu to aspirant, probably because he thought a lot of Westerners wouldn't know what a sadhu actually is. But I must say, I must say, you know, just in defense of the sadhu, or not in defense, but giving a different aspect to it, that they, the, the average aspirant in the West, let's put it this way, doesn't demonstrate a fraction of the dedication, sacrifice, and intense effort made by certain sadhus and sannyasins, as they're also known, of old. 
The problem isn't their lack of commitment, their bravery, their willingness to give their lives if necessary, and they would. They'd risk their lives. Uh, one uh, that is a particular, well, was quite a hero of mine, actually, when I first came into yoga and Eastern philosophy and, and, and truth, uh, by the name of Jetson Milarepa. Uh, and he lived in the 11th century AD, and he uh, climbed uh, the Himalayas uh, in a, a cot just a cotton robe of some kind. Uh, and had he not had the inner abilities and used, I would say, the power of Kundalini, whether he referred to it as that or not, uh, the practice of the inner heat, as the old Tibetans used to call it, he wouldn't have survived. And he knew that. He knew that full well. And he didn't really, I don't think, care. He was only interested in his goal, which was finding enlightenment, which he did do, according to the writings. There's some incredible writings about Milarepa. But there's also a great lesson about this sadhu. And you can read about him and you'll see his commitment to this path of enlightenment, to the exclusion of everything else, in one way is a fantastic example for us to follow. Because we should apply the very self-same, unreserved commitment to the path of service. And if we do, uh, I think we'll go a, a long, long way because he was so uh, incredible. And he became an enlightened teacher by following that path. Now, that wouldn't work now, we've been told. Um, he, he, today, I think, he would have had to leave his cave, which he dwelt in, come down into the villages and communities in the Himalayan re regions and give service. He would have had to share his knowledge, which he didn't enjoy, according to his uh, biography. He did not enjoy or uh, spending much time at all with villagers. You can see why he was on such an elevated plane. It was very detuning for him to do so. But isn't that the essence of service? And I think he'd have to do that now. He didn't have to do it then. This is the change. It was allowable then, and it could work then. But now, says Mars Sector 6, it is the path of a fool if it's done to the exclusion of, or as the words say, total disregard of human needs. Now, again, I'm going to say that Milarepa, according to what is written about him, didn't have a total disregard for human needs. He actually believed that by becoming enlightened, he would be able to help far more then he would really make a difference in the world, which is true. But nowadays, we can't wait for that. Nowadays, we have to serve and serve now. And we have so many ways to do it. And sometimes, you know, I, I've seen, and you may have done, uh, film footage of hundreds of sadhus during the Hindu festival of Kumbh Mela running eagerly to the Ganges to bathe themselves and free themselves of their sins for the sake of their own karma. And there you see this strange combination of tremendous faith, sacrifice, effort, sometimes for their whole life. But you also see, in some cases, I'm definitely not going to say in all cases, selfishness, because they're there to free themselves of their car, their negative karma and what they would possibly call their samskaras. Um, they're not there so much, and in some cases probably not at all, to serve others. Maybe in other cases they are there to serve others. So I'm 
I'm not qualified to judge, as I said earlier, and nor do I want to give the impression this only applies to a particular Eastern tradition. The principle applies to anyone who has a total disregard of human needs and just works on themselves in the wilderness. As I mentioned, that happened, strangely enough, even in the Christian tradition, where you wouldn't expect to find it. So this is a big revolutionary change. Uh, the old approach of spirituality being about yourself, your own enlightenment, your own communing with God, you might refer to it as, uh, you're furthering your own wisdom and your own knowledge, purely for that reason, that's gone. Do that, but only if it's helping you to serve others. That's the big change. And as I say, the beauty is, of course, that when you do serve others, then you can serve far, far more than uh, ever before. So that's one of the reasons I personally love the Nine Freedoms, because it's no nonsense. Uh, Mars Sector 6 doesn't say 10 words if he can say three, and he spells it out in uncompromising terms. And we've had this big lesson today that, that service is the order of the day. You know, some of the people who go into these regions uh, to uh, war-torn zones and troubled areas and help people there, people who'd probably describe themselves as atheists, could be more spiritual than someone who's following a path, a religious path or a mystical path, purely for themselves. So it's that combination, and one of the comments actually that Darren read to us earlier, that combination of developing yourselves and also serving others. And I'm actually delighted to say that this program, the Spiritual Freedom Show, is also combining service to others because we're now going to uh, practice this, not just talk about it, but practice it. And I'm going to introduce our guest presenter of today, and I have to be extremely careful how I make this introduction, because if I get this wrong, folks, I might be in trouble at home, because she is actually my wife, I have to say. And that is Alison Lawrence. Uh, she is also a bishop, by the way, in her own right, in the Ethereum Society, and has given hundreds of services for several decades. Again, I won't say how many. I could get into trouble there, too. But she's given numerous lectures and workshops in several countries. I'm, I actually, once we went to Italy, and... Uh, we were running a, 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 le a lecture, a kind of a class on karma. The entire audience was Italian, and she did it in Italian because I certainly couldn't. Uh, so she's a lecturer on the world. But what she did do was contribute a beautiful prayer to a book I was very honored to write with my co-author, Mark Bennett, called, called Prayer Energy. And the wonderful prayer she contributed was for animals because she's a very keen animal lover. So Alison's going to tell us about the vital importance of the animal kingdom, which is sometimes forgotten in spiritual circles, and lead us in the prayer that she wrote. So Alison, could you please join us? Well, thank you very much, Richard. I'm delighted to be here today. And uh, I was definitely inspired to write a prayer for the animal kingdom, not just to send love and healing to animals, but also to impress upon the minds of those who have no respect for their well-being so that they can rise above their limited awareness and have a greater realisation that all life is sacred. You know, we, as the most evolved life form on this planet, 
have a responsibility towards the animal kingdom and we should show our love for all aspects of creation, including animals, who are as much God's creatures as we are. And we should always remember that abuse of animals is a crime against God and we should respect the sanctity of all life. And I can tell you from personal experience that animals, our pets, are responsible, are responsive to spiritual healing. And I can personally vouch for that, having given contact healing to a pet that we have and the appreciation and love that I received back. So that shows an intelligence that animals have sentient life. But what I would like to do now is to invite all of you who are listening to send energy now to the animal kingdom. And this is the prayer that I wrote. And I will lead this prayer. And I would ask you all, if you would like to, is to join in by sending white light. And I will direct you as to how to do this. So let us now raise our hands facing forwards, level with the shoulders, because we have psychic centers in the palms of the hands. And what we should do now is visualize a beautiful white light, a brilliant white light, and draw this down from above the head and bring this down into the heart center and out through the palms of the hands. I will now lead this prayer. O divine and wondrous creator, thou which art, which art behind all things, I ask to be used as a channel for thy divine power to flow in a stream of radiant light to the animal kingdom, which has been so greatly abused by man. My heart is filled with love for God's creatures who are part of the abundance of manifestation, part of the oneness of all life. May these ones be filled with thy warmth and thy love so that they may live their lives free from the suffering inflicted upon them by the cruelty of human beings. May thy power, love, and inspiration flow unto those who would cause suffering to the animal kingdom that they may rise above their self-imposed limitation and be inspired by the realization that all life is sacred in its many and myriad forms. Let us always be guided by the divine spark within so that the seeds of unselfishness may grow and blossom into flowers of eternal wisdom and open up our hearts to eternal truth. What we should now do is something we call the sealing mudra, which is to cut off the flow of energy. And to do this, Brush the right palm over the left palm away from you once. And this cuts off the flow of energy. And this is something, it is a ritual that should always be performed when you have been giving healing or absent healing, sending energy to the world. And thank you all. I hope you could feel the results of this energy flowing through you. Because when you call upon this, 
you are calling upon a divine source and you will be used as a channel for this power. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alison. That was absolutely beautiful. Um, and I'm sure all those of you who are able to join in and do only join in with these practices that we do, if you're in a position to do so, and certainly not if you're driving a car or any kind of machinery or you have the care of a, a young infant or something like that. But if you're able to join in, you will feel, I'm sure, over time, the power. And if you do, please do let us know and please do send us your comments uh, and your experiences, not just during the show, but if you start doing these things between a sh between shows, we're very interested, and I know it gives encouragement too to other listeners to hear of the experiences that you are having. So thank you to Alison Lawrence, and I'm now going to come back to you, Darren, because we have a few minutes remaining, and see if we have any more questions or comments uh, that you'd like to put my way. Sure, I've got a couple here that we can share. Um, this is another one that came to us via email, and I think it shows that without a doubt there's a real hunger for truth out there and a desire to serve others, very much in keeping with our theme today. And they say, I'm a Christian, and I'm looking for information that can help me grow in my spirituality in the path of finding out who I am. And they go on and they say, what is my purpose here on earth, and how can I make an impact in trying to solve problems which humanity is facing today? Thank you. Uh, I think you've come to the right place, if I may say. Um, I was raised in the Christian religion, as I said earlier in this show, actually. There's some fantastic... Uh, the essence of Christianity is surely as good as it gets, because it is about serving others and loving others. I mean, the Master Jesus was the exponent, the master of love energy, love being actually one of the freedoms. It's the second freedom. And it's a really fantastic uh, thing. It's a great path. But for myself, I had questions which couldn't be answered uh, in, the, in the particular church that I was attending, which was actually Canterbury Cathedral, the biggest uh, Christian church, you might say, or building in, in, in the UK. Uh, but I needed to look elsewhere. So I, I think you, you could certainly, hopefully, uh, combine uh, your faith as a Christian, you uh, by looking into a thing called the Twelve Blessings, which we've mentioned a few times, and it's, you'll be interested to know, I think, that it was delivered as an extension to the Sermon on the Mount. But the brilliant thing about it is it's also a practice, and that's thanks to Dr. King as well for instructing us as to how to practice it, because unlike the Sermon on the Mount, which tends to just get read out sometimes on a Sunday, and let's face it, has been through many translations, that's assuming it was ever completely accurate, the Twelve Blessings is completely accurate, and it's not just read out, it is practiced, and it goes much, much further. So I think that's what I would recommend to you above all else, and that would be what you might call cosmic Christianity. Mm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I um I think keeping in the theme, actually, I've got another one here, Richard, for you, which is um, something that came in um, after the last show from someone who described a little bit about their own moment of truth. And um, I thought what was interesting in this one is it's uh, it showed a little bit about their search for enlightenment that led them to service. You know, very much like oh yes, like what we heard from Rowan. So um, it goes, my moment of truth was finding the nine freedoms in Bournemouth Library many moons ago, and very rarely do I read a book from cover to cover very quickly, but this one I did. At that time, I, I thought it was a flying saucer book, as I'd previously read Lobsang Rampa's 12th book, which included some material about extraterrestrial spacecraft. 
But the Theory Society address is not in the books. I obtained it from a well-known rock musician in my area, and eventually I moved up to London, initially with an interest in the Divine Light Movement. As sometime previously a medium had told me I should be giving healing, it was another moment of truth when, when I visited the Ethereum Society, and it just so happened that You Two Can Heal was being displayed that very day by the, for the first time. I bought it and soon discovered the Twelve Blessings, as you've just mentioned, Richard, and started going to services um, and other activities. And, you know, that's how I discovered the Ethereum Society and, of course, the great master who found it. Lovely comment. Beautiful comment. And obviously someone who was searching. And it goes to show again, you know, we aren't sort of in any way. Some, some organizations seem to be afraid of other teachings. And they almost say, oh, don't look at that. That's either of the devil or it's wrong or it's this or it's that. We don't do that at all. We say, fine, you know, if you read Lobsang Ramper, if you lead, read whatever you read, whatever tradition you're from, uh, we're not necessarily against it. We might be very, very much for it. We're just saying that uh, in our view, in something like the Nine Freedoms, you've got a greater teaching and certainly one which is given for these days and can be used in these days and there's nothing to compare with it in our view. But by all means, search as widely as you like. And I'm afraid, uh, Darren, I think that's bringing us, if I'm right, to the end of this particular show. And I really want to thank uh, you, Darren, and also the others who've helped to put the show together to, to our producer, Tim Roxbury, and uh, Jeremy Curtis behind the scene, who prepared those uh, extracts from us, Nikki Parrott, who's worked on it, and to our, especially to our guests today, Rowan McLaren, all the way from Melbourne in Australia, speaking to us, and not so far away, but nevertheless, very, very a beautiful presentation by Alison Lawrence, uh, my wife as well. And thank you all. And thank you all for listening. And do remember the great power of the nine freedoms and the fact, as stated in the nine freedoms, that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. And God bless you all. PetConnect Plus offers a connection to your pet, living or past with the use of Terry. Ruby, the owner and intuitive reader for PetConnect Plus, will make a connection to your pet for guidance on specific questions and general past, present, and future readings of your pet. A connection with an owner and a pet together will run $55 for 50 minutes, or a connection with one pet alone is $35 for 30 minutes. What a deal. 
PetConnect Plus can be found at PetConnectPlus.com and on Facebook at PetConnect Plus. Connect with PetConnect Plus so we can make a connection with your beloved pet to provide them with a fulfilling and rewarding relationship with you. Get connected today. PetConnectPlus.com Hey, late-nighters, keep up with all things WCET Radio by joining our mailing list. Just go to the bottom of the homepage and fill in the Stay Informed form. Then click the Get Latest News button. You will get everything from guest info and show info and other important station-related information. So sign up now and get a special promo offer just for email subscribers. What if I told you that you can order quality jewelry that is lead and nickel free for just five bucks? Crazy, right? Not so much. Paparazzi jewelry is quality jewelry. And the best part is when you buy from Crystal, she donates a portion to help fight epilepsy. So upgrade your look with quality jewelry, paparazzi jewelry. You can click on the banner chat and listen page on the station that covers everything WCET Radio Late Nighters and WCET Radio listeners around the world listen up the shop is here and you can order WCET Radio and your favorite shows swag right now and show your friends and your neighbors you're awake by wearing one of our many shirts including our Stop the Censorship shirt. That one is a hot seller, so get yours while supplies last. We have coffee mugs, clocks so you never miss your favorite shows, books, mouse pads, and more coming soon. Just go to WCETradio.com and click the Shop link. That's WCETradio.com and get to shopping. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. 